good so good I don't even need to preach I just you just go home amen amen well that's the that's the sermon right there holy smokes that what were you doing when you were 17 okay that was that was absolutely incredible we are so so honored to have Bridges of Harmony here today uh, and Devin as well thanks for gracing us with uh, your presence I feel like we have this special like kindred connection uh, with Bridges to Harmony and Roosevelt in particular. If any of you are around at the very, very beginning uh, of our church, we set up and tore down every single week at Hubble Elementary uh, in the gym, uh, which is right next to Roosevelt High School. So I feel like we have this connection, not to mention many of our ignition students in our high school ministry uh, connected there as well. Many of our families in this school. Uh, Bridges to Harmony is a part of our community here at Hope Des Moines, and it just felt fitting to have them here. And I just feel like, uh, yeah, God's moving in some amazing ways. And I feel like everything that Bridges to Harmony is about in building bridges into the community uh, to, to bridge uh, racial divides or uh, political divides or social divides or whatever 
constructs come between us, uh, the, the efforts and the mission and the values that they exude uh, as high school students at this point in their life are a lot of, in a lot of ways what we're striving to be as a church uh, as well. And so it's really important that we understand who we are. We love new people at Hope, but with that, we have a lot of new people here today, so we're so glad uh, that you are here. And with that, with the continued growth, and as this room continues uh, to fill up, it's almost like we need a bigger church building or something. We should get on that. Uh, if you've been around the last couple weeks, or if you haven't, uh, in uh, later this spring, we will be moving to 2500 University and uh, closer to Drake uh, University and closer to more opportunities for things like that. So I'm excited uh, for that and to continue uh, to get connected to the community in that way. But as we continue to grow as a church, one of the questions that gets asked a lot not only at our new member classes, but at, as we're connecting with you as a staff before and after a lot of services, and maybe of you, some of you are just wondering this, okay? You've heard about Lutheran Church of Hope, okay? You've heard about this big church that's out in West Des Moines, but maybe you didn't know that there's six different campuses, and, and a lot of you are here at our campus in the city, and so you're asking, what is this church all about, okay? What's, the, what's this Lutheran thing all about? For those of you that didn't grow up, what's, what's that all about, and what kind of a church are you? In, in other words, a great question for us to ask is, what do we want to be known for as a church? Some of you maybe wonder, oh, you know, Lutheran Church of Hope, what, what are we all about? If somebody were to ask you, is it, well, is it about just getting more money? Is it about, you know, uh, getting a bigger building? Is it about how many people we can get here? Is it about growing a big church? What, what would you say? Fill in the blank. Lutheran Church of Hope is focused on blank. How would you fill that in? One of the ways that we talk about this at Hope that we've had for 25 years is our core values. In a couple weeks here, uh, the first weekend of November, we're going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary uh, as a church. We could not be more excited about that. But since the beginning, for 25 years, we have had five core values. And there's one of those core values that I want to zero in on today. And it's this. If we go to the next slide, let's read this together. This is one of our core values as a church. Lost people matter to God, and so they matter to us. Now, it's important to know that's not just some made-up phrase. It's straight from Jesus' lips, okay? We didn't come, oh, that sounds like a cute phrase that we could put on a screen or something like that. This is Jesus' heart as well. And so if you go to the next slide in Luke chapter 19, let's read this together, what Jesus says his mission is. Let's read it together. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus makes it crystal clear what he's about. Jesus is passionate about the lost being found especially his people. So what are we about as a church? That's what we're going to discover today. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 15 of what we heard uh, read for us earlier today. Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, we love to give away as many free Bibles as we can here at Hope. So both of the bookshelves on the outskirts of the worship center on your way out today, grab one, grab a few, give them to your friends, and then bring it back with you every single week. So Luke chapter 15. I know a lot of you are new to the Bible, and that is okay. If you haven't cracked it open in a while, welcome to Hope. We're glad you're here. Luke is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke and John that tell the story of Jesus' life. And so we're in this series uh, called Stories of Us. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke during the month of October. So we're going to pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 1. We read this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I love the colorful artistic language that Luke writes with. Notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. 
Okay, so what do we know? Okay, first, Jesus is growing in popularity uh, amongst the crowd and with a lot of people, but it's not with who you think. Jesus is not growing in popularity with the churchy people of his day. Jesus is not growing in popularity with the religious establishment or the religious elite. It's actually the people that were probably deemed not church appropriate at the time. It's the outcasts. It's those people. You know, we all have people in our lives that we smack a label on and say, those people. Those people would never belong in church. Those people that are so far from God, those are the people that like to hang out with Jesus. The people on the outside of faith looking in. Get this. They sought out Jesus. Okay? Jesus wasn't a door-to-door salesman that said, hey, I'm knocking on your door and I'm going to shove the Bible down your throat. They came looking for Jesus. He was, he was their friend. They sought after him. They genuinely loved being them. And Jesus didn't just tolerate people that were, that were far from him, that didn't believe necessarily what he wanted them to, that, that weren't following him closely. But he also didn't see them as just some projects to fix. Jesus actually had a nickname. It was Jesus, friend of sinners, friend of people that aren't like you, Friend of people that you love to hate. Friend of people that disagree with you on so many things. Jesus loved to hang out with them. And they liked him. Even if they believed something different, they genuinely loved Jesus. And so if we're going to be a church after Jesus' own heart, it's going to look messy. It's going to look like a church full of broken people with difficult pasts and circumstances that we bring with us here into God's family. Because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because of our past, because you and I don't have it all together as broken, imperfect people, it's gonna be messy. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, neighbor, it's messy in here. Tell them that right now. It's messy in here. Okay? Now turn to your other neighbor and say, it's because of you. Tell them that right now. It's because of you. (laughs) It's because of you. It's because of all of us. And you know what? That's what it means to be the church. Amen? Amen. We are a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And sometimes we get that twisted. Sometimes we get that messed up. Okay? A church after Jesus' own heart is going to be filled with people that probably don't feel like they deserve to be there. Who think they're not quite religious enough. Those are the people. Okay? If you've ever felt like you're on the outside looking in and you're not a very religious, churchy person you're going to get fit right in here. We at Hope, we love to be a church for people that don't like church, for people that have maybe been burned by religion or had a bad experience with the church. You're going to fit right in and say, oh, this church is for me. You would would fit right in with Jesus. Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. And I want to make a disclaimer because words are important. And scripture uses this word lost a lot. I'm going to use the word lost a lot because scripture uses it a lot. But when we say lost, we don't say that as some self-righteous, you know, judgmental label for people that aren't like us. Oh, they're lost. Oh, they're so lost. Oh, they're so far from God. Lost could be any of us here today that are wandering. Anybody here today that's looking for life, that's looking for satisfaction, that's looking for purpose. Anyone, maybe... You're here today and you're indifferent towards church. You're indifferent towards Christianity or to Jesus. Any of you that have been hurt by the church, even if you've ever thought church isn't really my thing because I've had a bad experience and church is really just a bunch of self-righteous religious people that look down on others. 
And if you have a hard time with that, well, then you're in really good company because those are the people that Jesus had the hardest time with as well. Instead, Jesus has a passion. The Jesus we read about in the Bible has a passion for people, including you and I here today, to know how radically loved we are. In fact, one of the things that Jesus loved to tell stories about more than anything else in his parables was lost things becoming found. If you're there in Luke chapter 15, there's three stories back to back. And whenever you see repetition in scripture, that is like flashing light. This is important. Pay attention, okay? There's three stories back to back to back. First, there's a lost sheep. Then there's a lost coin. And then the third one you probably know the best is a lost son. And you know him as the prodigal son. Back to back to back in Luke chapter 15. Okay? Now, it's easy to look at these stories and say, oh, Pastor John, that's cute. That's really cute. There's a little sheepy that ran away, and his shepherd found him, and now he's lost. And this lady lost her coin. I don't know if she's wasting time. Just It'll pop up sometime, but she's desperate to find this coin. And then, yeah, this little boy ran away from home, and he came back, and now everything's great. Okay? And it's easy to kind of overlook those stories and say, yeah, I've heard about the lost sheep. You know, leave the 99 to find the one. I've heard all about that before. And it's easy to kind of dismiss it until you realize that the sheep the coin, and the prodigal are you and me and your friends or your family members or your coworkers or your neighbors or your classmate or you, <laughs> me. Jesus says, I am pursuing them. I am pursuing you not with judgment, but with a fierce, passionate love today that looks you in the eyes and says, you were made for more. You were made to be in a relationship with me. And here's, I just want to say this before we get into how are we going to reach the lost? Sometimes God, God's got to do something in you so that he can do something through you. Sometimes God's got to do something in you so that he can do something through you. Sometimes you and I need to allow ourselves to be the ones who are rescued before we go and start trying to rescue others. To, to, to step back and say, oh God, would you remind me of why your grace is so amazing? Would you remind me what it is like to be found by you and maybe this morning to let your love all the way in? When the lost are found, it is a big deal to God and nothing brings God more joy than when the lost are found. There's a, a, an example of this that's in my home these days. Everybody familiar with the game of hide-and-seek? Any hide-and-seek fans uh, out there? Okay. And, and so we love to play hide-and-seek in our house. We have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, so this is like prime hide-and-seek age. Even though they don't quite understand it, they've invented a different version of hide-and-seek. Okay? Normally, you count, and then you run, and then you go find somebody, and the point is like to stay hidden the longest. Well, they've kind of flip that on his head. And so what uh, our four-year-old and our six-year-old like to do is like, Daddy, you count. Okay, I'll do that. And I count to, you know, eight, nine, ten or whatever. They, they, they're not paying attention anymore. They run off and then, you know, there's the curtains and their legs are like sticking out from under the curtains and everything. I have no idea. Where, where did they go? Did they fall in the toilet? I don't know where they are, you know? And so they're hiding right there. And I say, okay, eight, nine, ten, ready or not, here I come. And I start looking for them. And before I can even get there, like three seconds later, they come popping out of wherever they're hiding saying, you found us. Here we are. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys just hide. And then they, before I can correct them, they run back and say, let's do it again. And so one time I convinced them, I'll hide. 
Daddy will hide, and you guys count. Say, I got like six seconds, okay? And I ran, and I hid. Now, I'm a pastor's kid, and I grew up in a big church, and so I am the master of hide-and-seek when you're a pastor's kid, okay? And so I hid in our house the best I've ever hid, and probably, you know, five, six minutes went by. They probably thought it was an hour, but like, Daddy, we can't find you. Where are you? And I popped out, and I was like, guys, I was hiding behind the door in the bathroom the whole time. I've been here. You didn't find me. And then Caleb, our six-year-old, goes, hey, Daddy, um, I kind of like our, our game better. Can we not do your game like that anymore? Like, buzzkill dad, thank you very much, right? Okay, because there's joy in being found. And maybe my kids get that more than some of us do. There's joy in being found. I'm thinking, looking back at these three stories in Luke 15. They all end the same way, okay? Unspeakable joy, Look at over and over again, unspeakable joy. So much so that Jesus says, when a lost person is found, heaven breaks out into an all-out party. It's that big of a deal. It's not, oh, yay, I found my cute little sheep. No, the lost are found. All of heaven rejoices when we come back to Jesus. So what is, what is Jesus getting at here? What does that mean for us here today? When a church turns inward, it loses its mission, and honestly, it misses out on a ton of joy. When a church turns inward and makes it all about us and becomes a holy huddle, we're going to lose our mission and miss out on a ton of joy. saw a great example uh, of this. There's two ways to look at things. When you're a church and you're growing, we can grumble or we can be grateful. And we always get a little bit of both, but uh, none of you, of course. But uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had some parking issues. And maybe some of you had a hard time finding a parking spot this morning. Sorry uh, for that. We're working on that. We're working very hard as a staff. Currently, the staff uh, is parking in Norwalk and then walking up to save. Uh, see, we're doing whatever we can to make more parking spots, folks. Like, we're trying, okay? And I, after a couple weeks ago, we had another full house like this, and people were in the lobby and spread out. This lady comes up to me after the service. I'm like, oh, she's going to give me a nice compliment on the sermon or something like that. And she said, Pastor John, I need to talk to you about the parking here at church. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Like, she's going to start grumbling and complaining, and I'm already thinking of things to say in my head, you know, working that up. She says, I need to talk to you about the parking. There was a traffic jam out there for the 11 o'clock service a couple weeks ago. There was a traffic jam, and I couldn't find a place to park, and I just did, I'm like, okay, here it comes. Just lay it on me, and then she goes, but I have to tell you. How awesome is that? A traffic jam for Jesus? Praise the Lord, she said. And I said, yes, that's it. That's it. Because when the lost are found, there's joy and there's two ways to respond. Yes, it's frustrating and we're sorry about that and we're working on it, okay? But how cool is that? Praise God. That's the way it was meant to be, a traffic jam for Jesus. Praise God for all these people because they're people that Jesus loves. In Luke chapter 15, it says, when the shepherd put the sheep on his shoulders, he didn't say, oh, you darn sheep, you know, whatever, PG-13 language here. I'm so frustrated with you. You've inconvenienced. I had to leave the 99 to find you. It would have been so much easier to stay back there instead of go after and do all this trouble to reach you. It doesn't say that. It says the shepherd joyfully put the lost sheep on his back and joyfully returned home and got everybody together and said, I found my lost sheep. Let's have a party, even if that means there's a traffic jam. 
he joyfully put the sheep on his back. Because the danger is if we're not careful as a church, we'll start believing that God's number one desire for our lives is to be comfy. Church people, we struggle with this sometimes. Well, I'm here and I've got a seat, and, 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 and I'm good, and I enjoy this church and everything, we, it'd be very easy to be content with who's already here. And you might, John, this is Lutheran Church of Hope, for pity's sakes. Aren't there enough people here already? Isn't it big enough already? Big enough for who? For our preferences or for the God who is in charge of this church? This is his church, not ours. Or for the God who says, I love the crowds. I love the traffic jams. I love full parking lots. I love the crowds. I love the multitudes. But I am passionately in love with every single one of you. I see the crowds, Jesus says, but this morning I see you. Right through all the walls and the barriers that you put up, sometimes even through our pain. Several years ago, there was a gentleman that worshipped here as a middle-aged man, pretty successful businessman, probably in his 40s or 50s, and uh, he came to worship very regularly. He was active in our men's ministry here. He's a big part of our community. I got to know him really well. So this wasn't just somebody that popped in and popped out. Like, he was a part of our church family. He had a great family, a really great wife, a couple of kids, and then as the weeks and months went by, I started to see their family less and less. I started to see him less and less, till eventually he just kind of disappeared. And then Maybe after a couple months, I sent him an email, and he emailed me back. Well, his name wasn't Brad, but we'll call him Brad. Um, and he responded in his email. He was still pretty closed off, and he didn't say much. And then he ended his email. I'll never forget it. I've saved it. He ended his email with, well, Pastor John, I guess I'll see you when I see you. And there may be some pastors. There may be some of us that would say, oh, that's too bad. You know, I guess life happens. And I'm a pretty even keel guy. I feel like I can kind of keep my emotions in check. But in that moment when I got that email, something like a, a righteous, holy discontent rose up from inside of me. And I remember thinking to myself, no, this is not how this story is going to end. This is not how this story is going to end. And so I did something crazy that not a lot of people do anymore. I got on the phone and I called him. There's these things you can pick up and then you talk to them like in real live time. He doesn't even need your thumbs. You just, you just call him. And I called up and I talked to him and he said hello. And I said, hey, this is Pastor John from church. And the first thing out of his mouth was, oh, no, am I in trouble? And I said, no, no, you're not in trouble. I said, I just care about you and how are you doing? And then he started to open up and the walls came down. He said, if you really want to know, a few months ago, my wife and I split. And she kicked me out and... Uh, it's my fault too. He said, I just got really depressed and I, I thought about calling you or some of the guys from our men's group, but I was just too afraid that this happened to us, you know, this nice church family. And he said, he said this, I mean, I, I just figured nobody would understand and that God was probably disappointed in me and probably all of you would be as well. And normally I'm a pretty good listener. I'm like, yep, okay, you know, and okay, so tell me a little bit more about how you're feeling. But in that moment, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was moving and just like gave me this download and I just need to tell this brother, I need to speak the truth in love and something just welled up inside of me. And I said, Brad, I am so sorry about all of this, but I want you to know 
tonight that you are a son of God, that you are loved and forgiven by him for any mistakes that you've made. And if there is any place, if there is any place that you should be able to come and be real and honest about what is going on in your life, it should be here at your church, surrounded by your church family. I can't imagine how painful this is, but you will never be too far away from God to come back. And then it was just silence. And I'm like, oh no, the preacher blew it again. And after about 10 seconds of silence, he said, yeah, I'd really love to come in and talk. I just want to say this. Sometimes leaving the 99 to find the one means not letting those that you love settle for less than God's best for them. The lost are not just the heathens out there that we love to point fingers of judgment to. Sometimes we get lost, don't we? Sometimes we wander away. Sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we get isolated. God's heart doesn't just beat for the lost sheep who don't believe that are out there. It beats for us lost sheep that sometimes are lonely, hurting, isolated, or confused as followers of Jesus. It's not just those people. It's all of us. And that's why we exist. We exist as a church for you as well. So that when you're hurting or angry or lonely, you run to the church not away from it. You run to community, not away from it. So what does that look like? How do we become that kind of a church? Well, we focus on becoming people of radical grace. Everybody say radical. radical. Oh, I don't believe you. Say it like you mean it. Say radical. 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 Why radical? Radical because Jesus' love for you is radical. Jesus' love for me is radical. When we say radical, it's, it's in a way that doesn't make sense to the world where grace can't really be for free, where only certain people get invited and only certain people would fit in in the church, but not here. And so just like the father in Luke 15 ran off the porch and ran to the son as he started to make his way back from all the mistakes that he made and he greeted him, he threw his arms around him. You and I are called to be as the church front porch Christians front porch kind of Christians that run to people. And in every handshake and in every high five that we do and every smile and every encouraging word, we are saying to each other every time we gather as the church, welcome home, welcome home. And if that has not been the primary message that you've heard from this church or any church in the past, I am so sorry, but that is the heartbeat of Jesus for you this morning. Welcome home, welcome home. We are so glad that you are here. Trying to think of a, a practical way to illustrate this for you, and sometimes we have to look outside the church uh, to get examples of what it means to be the church. Several months ago, I came across this little short little video clip, this documentary called Tim's Place, and it tells the story of Tim Harris. He's the, as far as we know, the nation's only owner and operator of his own restaurant that happens to have Down syndrome, okay? And so although the food at Tim's Place is really, really excellent, what Tim is most known for is radical grace. And as you watch, ask yourself, what can we learn from Tim about what it means to be the church? Let's take a look. How cool is that? I have more medals than Michael Phelps, yeah. Now, some of you might say, oh, that's, you know, that's a fun little story, John. You know, that's a cute little story. You know what I think? I think he totally gets it. I think he totally gets it. 
Tim's number one priority is that every single person that walks through those doors feels their value and their worth, that they are invaluable regardless of their circumstances. When people walk into church, shouldn't they feel the same? And that's not just when we do here. It's not, we have, yeah, we have ushers and greeters that are in these, uh, you know, blue shirts. They don't work for Best Buy. They're volunteers here. Uh, It's not the greeter's job only to make you feel welcome. It's not the usher's job. It's not anybody's job. It's our joy. It's our joy. It's our joy to welcome you here. So much to the point where, Tim, you just want to have a dance-off in the parking lot, right? I mean, I've never seen you, any of you dancing to church. Maybe you should try it sometime, okay? We should have some dance-offs in the parking lot. If lost people matter is a core value, we're not just going to read these stories. We're going to be the father We're going to be the shepherd as a church, and we live this out in very tangible ways. Jesus told lots of stories and parables, and I want to tell you a quick story. The story goes, there's a a prominent church in in a big city. And this, store, this church was known far and wide for how beautiful it was and just pristine and, and a lot of well-to-do people from the community uh, went there and attended and definitely a high-class congregation where you dressed the part and you only came if you looked your best and only came if you fit in. It was kind of the opposite of come as you are. It was unless you look and act like this, then this is the reason that you can come. And if you didn't look the part, if you didn't fit in, well, then you definitely stuck out like a sore thumb. And nothing crazy ever happened because everything was very orderly well until one day. The pastor was up in his big, tall pulpit and he was preaching to the people. And all of a sudden, the back doors to the worship center opened and down the middle aisle, like the main middle aisle of the church, this young man walked in, probably you know, close, close to the age of a lot of the students here today from Bridges to Harmony and 16 or 17 years old. And he started walking down the middle aisle of the church. And so it kind of starts to be a distraction. And obviously this was difficult for him. And, and he could just feel like the, the eyes just beating down in the back of his head and the back of his neck, just the eyes of judgment and condemnation. And like, what is this guy doing here? Well, his name was Andy, but not a lot of people knew that because nobody from the community had really taken the time to get to know him. And Andy came from a really difficult past. He'd struggled uh, with some substance abuse in the past. He'd struggled in different areas of his life from a tough family background. He had on this raggedy tie-dye shirt and cut-up jeans, and his hat was backwards and a backpack. And he came walking down the middle aisle. It was so distracting to the point where the, the, the pastor that was preaching up front had to stop preaching because everybody was focused on Andy. And he came down and like, what is this punk kid going to do? You know, he's interrupting our church service. And he came right down and he sat right here, right, right in the middle of the middle aisle, right in front of the pulpit where the pastor was preaching. And he just sat down and got out a tattered and torn Bible and just sat down crisscross and got his Bible out and wanted to listen to the rest of the sermon. Well, all of a sudden, this guy in a full dress suit stood up from back of the congregation and walked up, and it was the church president. I mean, this is like one of the, the big, big wigs there in the town and the city, and everybody knew him, and they were like, okay, what is he going to, he's going to take care of this kid and get him out of there so we can move on with church, you know, and move on with our service. And he came up, and he walked, and he stood right over the top of Andy. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to kick him out. He's, you know, he doesn't know what it, what's coming for him. And he put his hand right on his shoulder. And then he bent his knees and he got down and he hiked up his suit <laughs> with his Bible and sat down right next to Andy and put his arm around him. And together they opened up their Bibles and sat there for the rest of the service, the church president and Andy in his torn jeans and listened 
to the rest of the sermon together. I can't fully describe to you what it means to be a church of radical grace, but more of that. More of that. More grace. Let's be a sit-on-the-ground-next-to-people kind of church. Let's be a building-bridges kind of a church. More lifting up and encouraging people that aren't like us. More radical grace. More of that, not just in our schools, in our churches, but in our schools and in our streets. More radical grace, building bridges between each other. And not just the young and the old in that instance, but rich and poor between those of us that live in the city and the suburbs, because we have both between black and white and brown and between Republican and Democrat and everything in between. Radical grace says that the Jesus that unites us is so much bigger and stronger than the things that could divide us as the church. We have a life-changing mission to do as a church, and we cannot get sidetracked. And when we show radical grace, we become bridge builders. (laughs) Just like the name and the mission of this choir, Bridges to Harmony, their value, their mission is to build bridges between people that are different. And if you think about it, A large part of that was Jesus' mission, and that's our mission, to build bridges so that people can encounter the love of Jesus Christ. So how do we become a church of radical grace? We keep being a little bit more like Tim, like the prodigal's father, like the man that sat next to Andy, like the shepherd. Instead of sitting back, we intentionally go and we love and we serve and we're for the city around us. We're going to keep rebuilding neighborhoods around us through our partnership with Habitat for Humanity this fall. We're going to keep our buses running uh, every single week so that those of you that don't have transportation can come and have a church home. We're going to keep inviting our friends to come and see. We're going to keep reaching out to the kids that are here here in the Oak Ridge neighborhood, we're going to keep inviting the one more person that needs to know that they're loved. And secondly, if you're feeling today a little bit more lost, a little bit more like the prodigal today, and you're wandering, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. Sometimes being lost isn't dressed in rags or poverty. Sometimes being lost is disguised by money. Sometimes being lost is disguised by success or titles or positions or busyness or happy smiles at church. Or sometimes it's just disguised by pain. (laughs) And that was the case for somebody that a lot of you might know. We did a song of his a couple weeks ago for the offering. Ryan, our youth director, who happens to be a recording hip-hop artist, did this for you. But this is the story of Lecrae, a very, very famous rap and hip-hop artist, not in the Christian world necessarily all the time, but in the mainstream world as well. And as you listen to his story, listen to the Father calling out to you as well. It's time to come back to me. It's time to come home. Let's take a look. I was in a really dark place. I was really lonely, really depressed. And a friend of mine reached out and invited me to a conference. And I'm thinking, why not? My mind was blown when I got there. I had never seen anything like it. I saw guys with with bullet wounds and ex-gang members who loved Jesus. And I had never seen anything like that before. And so uh, I was intrigued. 
I'll never forget the pastor. You know, he started talking about Jesus. And I remember him saying like, how dare you tough guys call my Jesus a punk? You know, like, look at what he went through. And then the preacher said, do you not know you've been bought with the price? And it just came to a head. It was like, wow. The cross and the resurrection of Christ offers forgiveness of sin, offers a whole new life, and offers you eternal life. Jesus literally took all of this on his own back for me. You know, I remember bowing out, just head touching the ground and saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. But one step led to another, which led to another. And, you know, I was back drinking and sleeping around with women. And the conviction that I was now feeling was so strong. I said, Lord, I need to get with you. I need you to change me. I need you to really make this real and I need to stop running from you. I was genuinely trying to know him more and read my Bible and grow. And I really began to be a passionate Christ follower. But you set me free. Oh. I gave you no reason to give me new seasons, to give me new life, new breathing. No. But you hung there bleeding. You died for my lies and my cheating, my lust and my greed. I realized you don't earn righteousness, that none of us is righteous, not even one, and that our works are like filthy rags to God. Jesus lived the life I could not live and died the death I should have died. You know, that, that gets me every time just to think, man, I gain everything by putting my trust in him. Jesus Christ from the cross says, I will save you. I will forgive you. I will change you. I'll make you a new person if you come to the cross by repentance and faith. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Come home. Sometimes prodigals don't look like we expect. And your story may not look as dramatic as Lecrae's, for example. But when I tell people stories of hope, when I tell, they ask me, so what's your church all about? What, what, what's going on here at Hope Des Moines? I just tell them stories. I could argue with them and I could try to shove the Bible in their face and we could talk all day long about our disagreements and everything like that and all the things we have that are different. But instead, I just tell them stories. I tell them stories of Jesus changing lives. I tell them stories of marriages that were really struggling that the Holy Spirit came into and marriages that were healed and put back together. I tell them about the love that's on a school bus every single Thursday night as volunteers from this community go and they come right here after work and they go and they connect with kids from our neighborhood that maybe haven't had a good meal in a long time, that are really, really struggling at school with literacy issues and we teach them to read and we give them food and we tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. 
I tell them stories about people that were apathetic and, and distant from God, that didn't want anything to do with church or religion, that have been baptized in the waters of new life and come to new life in Jesus Christ. I tell them about our, our ignition program for high school students, where students are coming here on Wednesday nights, and, and they're experiencing something so real and, and genuine. They can come here, and they can be themselves, and they're experiencing the love of Jesus Christ that they can't find anywhere else, and they're telling their friends, and their friends are telling their friends. Jesus is changing lives, and it's worth celebrating. It's worth, as Luke 15 says, having a party. There's a full-out dance party going on in heaven when somebody that was lost is found, when people that were wandering and making church just kind of one of many things come, and they make Jesus the laser focus of their life, and they have a relationship with him every single day. There's, there's a reason to celebrate. There's a reason to party. There's a reason, like Tim, to have a dance party in the parking lot when the lost are found. There's a reason to dance. There's a reason to sing because God is good. Amen? Amen. Because God is good and it's worth celebrating. And I wanted to end the service by rejoicing in that today, to experience the same kind of rejoicing that happens in heaven when the lost are found, when we come home to Jesus Christ and we find our center in him and we experience life and purpose and satisfaction in him. And the only way to do that, I think, is to have the choir sing one more song for us. Don't you think? Think we should do that? All right. You are more than welcome to clap along with them. Praise God for Bridges to Harmony. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Let's celebrate God's goodness together.
I want to say thank you to every single one of you. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts and talents. I would say that the future is bright, don't you think? Yeah. Praise God. Praise God for you. Thank you. Now that you've come to church, go be the church. Come say hi to the students. God bless you. We'll see you next week.